Good morning, everyone. <coughs> Little bit Mariella Fostrop today, so I hope you can uh, hear me all right. Um, uh, interesting things with microphones, by the way. My dad is in uh, a rehab centre at the moment uh, for physical needs, uh, a, a rehab um, hospital, and uh, because of his Parkinson's, he's been fitted with a mic, and he was asked, he was given the choice whether he wanted a Britney mic or a Russell Harty mic, who apparently goes way back when, and uh, my dad chose a Britney mic. I'm quite proud of this. He's 87. Um, so he now has one of these uh, and had it all day yesterday broadcasting to his ward and uh, it was going well and I thought oh this is really good dad mic'd up I can now tell what he's saying and even when he phones me I might be able to tell what he's saying and then the rugby came on last night and I was at home thinking I wonder how he's going with this if he's still mic'd up um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure knowing my dad he would have been saying kind things about the Australians they did play very well didn't they but uh, there's that sense isn't there I was thinking yesterday you know miking up my dad is pretty much no problem in my eyes because most of what he says is very beautiful about but this is about this series is about that it's about our day-to-day -day. it's about who we are when no one's looking it's about the fact if we were mic'd up at work or in our day-to-day -day, what would people hear us say what actually is it that we carry with us? Do we speak words that flourish people, as we heard from Tim here last week? Do we edify the people around us in our front lines, in our working week? And we're going to look at a very, very human response from the divine Jesus uh, in this reading. I love the fact that here we see the very real deep humanity of Jesus, as well as the deep divinity of who he is. This passage shows us this huge spectrum of the fact that, yes, Jesus is the Son of God. He's just been baptized, and actually he's just had that acknowledgement from God. This is my beloved Son, and I'm pleased with him. And then the Spirit leads him, full of the Spirit, the Bible says. Jesus goes into the wilderness. And the wilderness was a physical place. It was known as some called the, called it the devastation. It was a physical wilderness that he went into. But actually, first and foremost, Jesus was located, if you like, in the Spirit. First and foremost, he was filled with the Spirit when he went into the wilderness. And actually, he went there for 40 days, and we hear at the end of uh, that he was hungry, that he was physically vulnerable. And actually, many times when we look at this business of temptation, which we're looking at to today, the taste of temptation, we have to think about the fact that actually, how are we caring for ourselves physically? I know that I can be more vulnerable to temptation, for example, if I'm tired or overdoing it. That actually sometimes that place of rest that we explored over the summer is really important to us. That actually the enemy seeks to find us when we're vulnerable. And actually, I don't know what your churchmanship is. I don't know whether this is your first time here or whether you have been part of Riverside for many years. But I can't stress enough that there is an enemy and he is real. And we only have to look at our world today to see that it might appear that he's winning some days, but he isn't. That actually God, as we see in this passage, has the final say. Time after time after time and throughout eternity, God will have the final say. And this is a beautiful example of that. So the first temptation comes along when Jesus is vulnerable, when he's hungry, and uh, when he um, is looking for comfort. 
And you and I are very much the same in the sense that actually one of the temptations we might face on our front line will be that of the immediate gratification, won't it? Does anyone else find that? That we're tempted to gratify our needs now. And we live in a society that speaks that kind of language all the time, that actually says to us, you can have it now, why wait? Buy it on credit, why wait? All of our advertising even tells us that actually it's pointless to wait. And yet, actually, the Bible is full of that sense of delayed gratification that the best is yet to be. And yet that voice says to us, have it and have it now. And that is why some of us have got entrenched into habits that have got us into trouble. And we're going to look for a moment at the whole business of sexual sin, actually of the seduction of the world, the world view. And uh, working as a pastor, I see many lives that are actually fractured through pornography, through adultery, through things that actually God warns will not be flourishing for our world. As we heard from Tim last week, our work, our everyday life, our workmanship is to flourish his earth and his people. And yet the enemy would rob us of that with some of this secret sin that we can get entrenched into. And we are all vulnerable. We are all vulnerable. Isn't it brilliant to think that Jesus was tempted? Does that not gratify? Does that not make us think actually he understands us? He was tempted, but he chose to quote scripture. He hung on to what he knew of the Father. He hung on to the fact that he knew that God approved of him, even when it was tough. And so actually in this whole area of sexual sin, one of the things that we see is actually how it can spiral. It can begin with a look. It can begin with just one look at work or in our day-to-day, a look. And we see that in the Bible. Uh, We see that with David when he is uh, not gone to war and he's on the roof and uh, he sees across the roofs, he sees Bathsheba bathing. And it says he had stayed behind and not gone to war. The enemy caught him, if you like, when he was vulnerable. Maybe he was coasting, we don't know, but he was vulnerable. He'd been asleep, he wakes up, he sees Bathsheba. And the look is what starts the adultery, the look. And actually what what is a beautiful thing that scripture gives us is a chance, as Jesus shows us here, to nip these things in the bud, to be able to say, no, I will put a screensaver on my computer, whether it's at home or work. If we're getting into pornography, and as we've said, it's rife in our city, it's rife in our world. And actually, it does break down relationships. Uh, We've seen that many times. And uh, there's a sense where we can protect ourselves with scripture. David goes on to say uh, in scripture that he has hidden the word of God in his heart, that he might not sin against God that actually he's taken steps to avoid this kind of temptation in his day-to-day. So if that's you or if it's someone you're walking with, someone in your group, someone that you love, there are ways to help people with that kind of sin. To be able to say, actually, I will put some locks on my computer. I will change the way that I filter things because all of us are targeted. And more and more, the targeting happens. It happens through links that are sent us. It happens through advertising and it can start to infiltrate all of our thought life and there is intentionality to that and as a Christian you will be targeted 
We're not exempt, we know that. We will be targeted and there will be people watching our lives in the day to day that are waiting for us to fall. And actually there is a sense that we are targeted, we are tempted, but we are not yet in the trenches. And you might say, well, actually, Judy, that's how I feel today. I feel in the trenches of this habit and I cannot break free of it. And if that's you, there is great hope for you today. There is great hope, even from this passage, that actually there is a way out of the trench of this habit that you've got yourself into or others have drawn you into, that actually there is a way out for you. Uh, we were praying at Sanctuary last Sunday evening and... Um, we had a picture, and it was the picture of the painting uh, that Leonardo da Vinci did, uh, has done of the hand of God. And if you know the picture, uh, the hand of God is pointing down and the hand of man is reaching up to it. And the finger looks like it's pointing down. And we just had a real sense that God was saying, if that's you, that you think that the finger of God is pointing at you in an accusatory way, he's not. He's actually trying to reach down and lift you out of your trench and I, I really felt that was a word in season and as I prayed this morning I felt it was worth sharing in case you weren't there uh, in the context of this that actually you do not have to stay where you are today there is help in scripture there is help in prayer ministry there is help in the confession to one other person Billy Graham in his ministry traveled all over the world and he knew that there would be people who wanted to sleep with him, who wanted to have affairs with him because of notoriety. He had this brilliant reputation for being a man of God. He saw so many and has seen so many come to faith. He knew that he would be targeted but he refused to go into the trenches if you like so he had accountability people that traveled with him. I know of American preachers as well that actually will always have somebody that they phone when they're alone in their room if they're traveling in hotels and if you travel away from home it may well be that you need an accountability person on this or on some other area so Jesus turns to the enemy if you like and he says no man shall not live by bread alone in other words I won't give in to the physical because I'm living for a different kingdom I'm living for a higher way I'm following Jesus and I want my life I want my life to flourish I'm following him and that is true for all of us that actually there are things like habits whether that's uh, actually inappropriate texting maybe you're texting someone at work and uh, it starts off just very very ordinary and then it becomes a little bit flirty and actually there's part of you that wants to shut it down and then there's part of you that actually is enjoying it and that's the time before you get into the trenches to tell someone about it or to shut it down in a way that actually is appropriate for you and uh, these are tough things to talk about but we need to be as church able to talk about them to one another because they are battles that we will all face in one way or another. Our students going off to university, our young people in college will be targeted, will be bombarded and to teach them the ways of the Lord, to teach them ways to stay strong in scripture and in spirit. And what I love about this passage is that we hear that Jesus filled with the spirit takes the word of God to the enemy. So if you like, it's word and spirit. And as a church, we passionately believe in word and spirit working together. That actually he comes into the wilderness full of the spirit. He's able to resist 
partly because he's filled with the Spirit and partly because as a result of being filled with the Spirit, he speaks out the word of truth. And I would challenge you, we challenged people last week at uh, Queensbridge site, learn some scripture that will help you with this particular habit that you feel you've got into. Put it on your screensaver, put it somewhere where you see it first thing in the morning. And it will start to infiltrate your thinking and change, if you like, your eyesight, our eyesight, the way that we view the world. C.S. Lewis, in his uh, uh, brilliant production or his brilliant book, uh, The Screwtape Letters, uh, talks about the fact that for years, those mortals have believed that actually we devils get our way by whispering lies into the ears of mankind. He says, when actually most of our job, most of our success comes when we keep the truth out. That's interesting, isn't it? Because we've grown up with images of the devil whispering into heads. We may even read this passage and think that. But actually, part of the enemy's job is to distract you from reading the words of Scripture because he knows the power that they hold for you in your day to day. He knows that what we inhale, we exhale. What we breathe in, we breathe out in our front lines. And actually, he wants to rob us of that. So if you've lost your appetite for Scripture, if we've lost our thirst for the presence of God, maybe the challenge today is just that, to get back into that habit of keeping company with him so that what we look at, what we text, what we actually get involved with, how we approach the people that God's put in our path actually are in line with the scriptures that we have. So Jesus in the wilderness, his first temptation is around the physical and it's around approval and comfort and identity. And you notice that the enemy is quite tricky. In two of these temptations, he says, if you are the son of God. Now, God's just said it in the scene before, if you like. And now the enemy's saying, ah, if you are the son of God, though, show your people who you really are. So interestingly, identity is very much wrapped in the wrestlings of Jesus in this. And you and I, I would hope, would recognize that we are very similar. I know I am. That a lot of my wrestling is about identity. And as Tim said last week, about how do I look at work rather than how do I make God look at work. That if we really are working for God in whatever we're doing, that actually how do we flourish his reputation, his kingdom, and the enemy moves on to a second temptation. If you look down, he says to, uh, to Jesus, I will give you all of this. He's taken him to show him the whole of the kingdoms of the world. How he does that, I don't know. But he says, I'll give you all this authority and splendor for it's been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will be all be yours. And Jesus says, it is written, worship the Lord your God, serve him only. And even if you learn that scripture for Monday morning, it will help us. That actually worship him first, serve him above your boss, above the people that you manage, serve him only. And actually what he's saying to Jesus is compromise. He's saying, well, yeah, okay, you say that you're the king, the Messiah, but you can have a political realm as well. You can have all this. You can reign over all this. And one of the biggest temptations I know for us as Christians is to compromise, isn't it? To have one foot in God and one foot in the world, as we, the expression goes, to be able to just bend the rules slightly for popularity, for our comfort, for our acceptance, for our power, for our wealth. 
And actually, it may start as a small thing, but actually it can build up. And I'm sure as we go on and look at this series, all of us will be examining our own integrity, uh, again, afresh on our front lines. I, I was rec recently uh, reading an article that talked about the fact that actually, what do people prefer in a job? Do they prefer money or power? Which one do you think came on top? Power, right, well, yes, power came out way above money because people wanted identity and power gave them that identity and power does the same for us sometimes and we can get misled by it and we can get led into the ways that actually might entice us into bending the rules. Uh, a while ago now, uh, quite a long time ago, I was uh, a, a jobbing actor in London uh, looking for work and those of you who will uh, have been through that particular experience will know that the trade pest is called the stage and television today and that's where you get your jobs from. If you haven't got an agent, you try through the stage and television today and you circle things and you go for auditions and so on and there in it all I was a new Christian I've been a Christian for about a couple of years uh, there was this really make money fast I ideal now if you've got no money and uh, the guy I was with at the time was a busker so we weren't really living on very much and uh, there it was there was this new uh, thing that we could all do a marketing opportunity uh, so my friend Tim and I went along and uh, we went to uh, audition, if you like, for this job. And it was basically that you could make money very quickly by phoning people up in their homes and phoning people up in businesses and arranging things for Red Star parcels and British Rail and so on. And so we went along and started working for them. And it was basically we were the very irritating, irritating people that ring you at tea time or ring you uh, when you just have uh, got guest rounds or whatever and start to say, uh, are you a business? Are you working from home? Are you a business working in the Highlands of Scotland, which was where I was given mine? And um, these are the things that we can do for you. We went along and uh, Tim and I found that actually we were quite good at it because we were actors. You had to learn a script and make it sound plausible. You had to make it sound friendly and winsome. And we started to do really quite well at it. And uh, people were saying, oh, you know, you're meeting, you're going above your targets, Judy. And Tim, you're doing brilliantly well. And I started to think, oh, I've actually found my little calling here. I'm very good at it. And I was making bookings. I was making bookings in the Highlands of Scotland for people, bagpipe makers and all sorts of really interesting uh, uh, professions uh, and then one day I spoke to the, the guy um, who was in charge of our team and I said I'm just trying to work out the logistics of what we're promising here because I said I can't understand how we can arrange for British Rail to go into the Highlands at this time you know with an hour's notice or whatever it was and he said oh we can't we can't we can't really deliver all this Judy and he actually made me feel so small by saying, did you really think that everything in your script that you're ringing people up with is true? Did you really think that? And actually, as a fairly new Christian, I tried to push down that sickness that I felt because I thought, but I'm, I'm doing well at this. You know, I'm getting a bit of a reputation for being good at it. I also had a reputation for being very ruthless because one time I rang and they told me someone had died, but because it was such a strong Scottish accent, I didn't hear what they'd said, so I said, do you know when he'll be back? So they, <laughs> they thought I was the most ruthless salesperson ever, that even death didn't stop me. But I'd got that reputation, I didn't want to give it up. And I remember going home and praying and praying with one other person and going in the following day to resign from that job. And... 
I walked away feeling a real sense of lightness in my spirit. And actually, I think it was only three weeks after that that I got a job um, in a pantomime, actually. Princess Sheba in Rocky Goes to Sphinxville. I'm sure you've all seen it and heard of it. Um, But God honours us when we're in those situations. And the temptation is for that power, is for that reputation that we're getting. And actually the enemy tries to entice us and bend the rules slightly, go with the flow. And the salt and light in our lives will push back, push back the powers of darkness if we stay true to his word. And so the final one that Jesus is, uh, is entrenched in, if you like, is enticed with, is control and popularity. If we look at the third temptation, the enemy takes Jesus to the highest place. He takes him right to the highest point of the temple and he says, you can drop yourself down into the Kedron Valley, which would have been 450 feet below. If you do that, he says, he will command his angels concerning you. Throw yourself down. He even quotes scripture. So even the enemy uses scripture to try and derail Jesus. He says, you know, what have you got to lose? You can be this spectacular saviour and people will follow you. That actually you can rely on the spectacular. And Jesus answers, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And this business, finally, of control and popularity is a tough one. It's hard for all of us because we want to get on well with people. We want, uh, if we're people pleasers, we want to toe the line. But actually there are times in our lives when we are called to swim in the opposite direction. And I just felt again as I was praying about this morning that that would be true for, for quite a few people here. Is there a way that you can start to swim in the other direction in your place of work or your place of influence or where you find yourself in the day-to-day? That actually, in finding God faithful, we need to make a stand. I was reading in Mark Green's book of a guy who uh, was just asking a lady to compromise on tax returns and uh, just to sign things for an account that actually for a person that didn't exist. And she kept doing it. And she then decided, no, I cannot do this. Now, she knew that the overall owners that she was working for were for Christians. Uh, And uh, yet they knew that this was going on. But she chose to stop. She refused to stop actually acknowledging and signing these documents. And uh, sometimes it is about us saying no to things as Christians. But I would also put it to us that sometimes it's also about what we say yes to. As we heard last week about how we flourish the people that are around us in our day-to-day lives. That actually, let's not just be known for what we don't do, but also for the good that we do, for who we embrace, for who we include, for the person that's difficult at work, that other people don't spend time with at lunchtime. Because our goodness, our purity, our holiness comes as much from what we embrace as what we exclude. And uh, I find that really moving when I see the goodness and the kindness in people, that that points me to the kingdom of heaven so much in people's lives, so much. That servitude that actually Jesus calls us to, that sense of serving one another in the day-to-day. And actually Jesus had all the power and authority in the world. 
He had the living God. He was full of the Spirit as he spoke. But actually, he chose to give up all of that treasure, all of that power. He gave up even being with God in heaven to come down, to reach out to you and I, to pull us out of our entrenched sin, to pull us out of the pits that perhaps we find ourselves in. That he came really to reach out like that picture, pulling us out of the the habits that we're in. The Bible says sin is crouching at your door. It seeks to devour you. And Jesus says, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. That there's a sense of sin crouching at our door. Sometimes for some of us it will be late at night. Uh, The Bible says the enemy prowls like a lion at night. So we have a real enemy, but more importantly that we remember this today is we have a real saviour. So real that he went through a lot of this experience that we go through. So that there's nothing that we can say is too difficult for him because we can see uh, how Jesus did it. Thought catching is something we probably haven't got time to go into now, but uh, it's something that I've found really, really helpful. There's a verse in Corinthians that says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, that we know our thoughts will be wayward and tempted, but actually in God, in his spirit and in his word, we have that power to actually align our thinking our day-to-day, our salt and light, our speaking to the light of Jesus. We're going to watch a a little clip to close, uh, which is um, uh, (coughs) taken from The Lord of the Rings, and it's Schmeagol, and uh, he is uh, uh, trying to get rid of Gollum, and uh, let's look how he does it in this short clip. Lord, in this subject of temptation... We thank you that we can see in you, Jesus, that you yourself were tempted. And we recognize that it's not a sin to be tempted, but actually to give in to that temptation. And Lord, we ask your forgiveness here today in every heart, in every mind, in every life. We ask your forgiveness for the times when that voice has just felt too strong for us. And we pray that we would be a people of word and spirit. That we would be a people filled with your Holy Spirit as we go. That we are carriers, conduits of your grace, your truth, your beauty, your holiness. And that the truth that you've given us in your Bible, in your word, would be ours daily. That you would be the portion that we hold. You would be the the declaration of our hearts when other things come in and try to target us, that we would actually call on your name, call on your word, call on your truth to dispel the powers of darkness and bring light into our worlds. Pray that you'd fill us, Lord, with your spirit. Fill us to overflowing. Job says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sends forth his word and heals and rescues them from the pit of their destruction. Lord, 
Lord, would you reach out to us in the day-to-day, not with the accusatory finger, but with the hand that would pull us out, the hand that would set us free. Be with us on our front lines, we pray. Be with us tomorrow as we live all out for you, no compromise, no holding back, that we live for your fame and your glory, Jesus. Amen.